1015 on the Blue Bibles. The other Bibles I'm not too sure about, but 1015 in the Blue Bibles. And we just had the Bible reading there. I thought it'd be a nice way of just showing it and just showing the, um, um, how amazing it was what Jesus just did. So um, this past week, um, myself and Grant, where's Grant? Here we go. We, we did a brilliant course, didn't we, this week? Gospel Coaching. Um, it was a really, really good course for two days. And um, it's to, the end goal is to help ourselves, but also other church leaders who, through the joys and the struggles of ministry life and how to prioritize things, it was a really, really good course. But on the end of the first day, because it was a gospel-centered course, they asked the question, or they posed the statement, first of all, then asked the question. The statement was, if Jesus doesn't take your breath away, what does? If Jesus doesn't take your breath away, something else will. And so the follow-up question was, what takes your breath away? And I think that after last week, what was um, telling was, as, as Kenny preached us about the rich young ruler, a guy who came face-to-face with Jesus asked, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And he goes away sad. Why? Because he wasn't willing to give up his wealth and possessions. He went away sad. What had taken his breath away was wealth and possessions. Today, we see James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus has clearly taken their breath away. They have uh, thrown their nets down. They have followed him. They've left everything. And then now, power, honor, position, starting to take their breath away a little bit. And then that beautiful scene at the end of blind Bartimaeus, the least in society, shows up the disciples, doesn't he? He has a genuine faith, comes face to face with Jesus, and he clearly fixes his eyes on him, follows him. He has his breath truly taken away from him. See, I think sometimes the distractions of this world, for those of us that have known and followed Jesus for an increasing amount of time, distractions of this world can begin to take our breath away more than Jesus. Sometimes maybe our needs not being met in the way that we want them to be met can injure and somewhat affect our faith and stop us from maybe enjoying and having that vibrant, joyful faith that we can have. And so today, I kind of just want us to see some simple things about Bartimaeus' faith. Hopefully things that will inspire us, encourage us, challenge us. I'm just going to pray for us as we come to it now. Father God, we thank you so much. Um, for your word. We thank you that we have it in front of us. We thank you that we're able to watch it on a screen being read out for us and depicted in images. We thank you that it is true. We thank you that your spirit goes out through the preached word and changes us, Lord, and I pray that it would. I pray it would encourage us. I pray that we would see the faith of one blind man and be encouraged to have our breath taken away by you again. Amen. So firstly, we see a faith that knows who Jesus is. Pretty simply, we see Bartimaeus as a faith that knows who Jesus is. And what's evident in Mark's gospel as we've gone through it is that it is about building up evidence, isn't it, to show who Jesus is and who do you think Jesus is. It's Evidence that shows that Jesus is the good news. Straight away, Mark starts with that. He is the Messiah. John the Baptist says, there's one mightier than I that's coming. 
He's the promised one that we've been waiting for. Jesus forgives sins. He truly is amazing. And Mark is, is building up evidence for us. The evil spirits, they know who he is. They recognize him, don't they? The Pharisees, from face to face with the person they've been reading about and they've studied, and yet they can't see him. The disciples are kind of on this up and down journey, aren't they, in seeing who Jesus is. But this blind man, Bartimaeus, what does he cry out? Son of David. Son of David. This blind man, this person who's the lowest in society, shouts out, Jesus, son of David. He recognizes who Jesus is. The son of David refers to the promise that God made um, to David that there would be a king, an heir, that would reign over Israel forever. Son of David. He knew he was the Messiah. Best of his mouth, son of David. Son of David. Despite his blindness, he could see who Jesus was. Isn't that amazing? Despite his blindness, he could see who Jesus was. So faith just starts with acknowledging who Jesus is and having a true idea of who he is from the scriptures. Do you recognize who Jesus is? Maybe there's some of you that have never confessed Jesus as Lord. Do you recognize who Jesus is, who you're coming face to face with? We've been running Christianity Explored um, two, uh, two days a week over the last few weeks. And on a Monday night, we have this lady that comes, and it is absolutely amazing to watch us as we're, we're reading the Gospel of Mark, we're watching some videos, we're chatting about it. And each week, she's like, this is amazing. Jesus is amazing. My word, he calmed a storm. What? Honestly, this is what her reaction is like. It's incredible. And then when you ask her at the end of each week, it says, Who do you think, what do you think about Jesus? She says, he's the Son of God. He surely is. So she has looked at the evidence and is seeing who Jesus is. And I encourage you, if you've not looked at the evidence before in a real way or in a meaningful way, please do it. Please do it. It's the most important question you can ever ask yourself. Who is Jesus? Do you recognize who he is? Because if he is truly the Son of God and has the power to forgive your sins, that is the best news worth knowing. I encourage you to do that. Look at the evidence. Faith starts with knowing who Jesus is. When we talk about faith, we talk about this trusting, this assurance and trust in God, this assurance and trust in Jesus that he is the only hope Hebrews 1 puts it this way, if I can find it. <laughs> Where have I put it? Missed my page. Um, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What Hebrews 1 says, trusting and treasuring Jesus, even though we cannot see him physically now. We trust his word, we trust the evidence, we trust who he is, we trust what he's done in people's lives, in our lives. We see who Jesus is. The faith that knows who Jesus is. Do you know who Jesus is? But secondly, we see a faith that comes humbly to Jesus. A faith that comes humbly to Jesus. Verses 47 and 48. See, there's two great comparisons today, aren't there, in this passage. We, we see, um, while Jesus um, asked both the sons of Zebedee, Sorry, while Jesus asked both the sons of Zebedee, 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 um, say that quickly, Zeb. As, while Jesus asked both the sons of Zebedee, 
as well as Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? James and John request what? What do they request? Brilliant. I like this. Shout out, please. And Bartimaeus requests mercy. Isn't that beautiful? He requests mercy. He requests not to be given what he deserves. Mercy means not being given what you deserve. Here's Bartimaeus saying, don't give me what I deserve. Don't give me what I deserve. I know I deserve death. I know I deserve eternal, eternal separation from you. Don't give me what I deserve. James and John think they deserve honor, and they receive a no from Jesus. Bartimaeus comes with nothing and knows he doesn't deserve anything, and yet he receives a yes. And I love this, that the James and John came with a sense of entitlement, but Bartimaeus, the, known as the son of Timaeus, which means son of honor, is anything but, isn't he? He comes with nothing, absolutely nothing unworthiness, and yet he is honored. He is honored in the kingdom of God because he is the least, and he recognizes his unworthiness. So We have three blind people here. We have James and John that are, that are physically blind, sorry, are not physically blind, but are spiritually blind, whereas Bartimaeus is physically blind, but not spiritually blind. All three are blind in some way. And I think this is really important for us to get because by nature... We are all spiritually blind. We cannot see who Jesus is. We're unable to see the truth and the state that we're in because of our sin. But we receive sight, and I love this, we receive sight by asking for mercy. We receive sight by asking for mercy. Have you asked for mercy? Have you asked for mercy? The... The only person who has been spiritually sighted has been Jesus. Everyone else walks the earth spiritually blinded until they have him revealed to him through the Spirit. Well, what stops mercy flowing into our lives? What stops the mercy flowing into the lives of blind sinners is not the blindness itself. Jesus came to deal with that, but it's stubborn denial of blindness. Do we deny that we are blind? Do we deny that we are blind before we come to Jesus? Sorry, I'm going to stop and pray because I feel like I've, I've missed a few pages. <laughs> so I'm going to stop and pray. Um, Father God, I pray that you would use my words despite um, maybe... Uh, Having missed a few bits in my sermon, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, and it would be your words, not mine. Amen. Thank you for bearing with me. I appreciate that. I've missed about three pages out of my sermon, so this is in the wrong order, so I apologize. I'm going to speak from the heart. I'm going to speak from the heart. Um, he cries out for mercy. He cries out for mercy. Don't give me what I deserve. He humbly comes to him recognizing that he needs mercy. He needs it. James and John feel they deserve something. They feel an entitlement, don't they? I don't know about you, but sometimes I can see myself more in the disciples like James and John than I can in Bartimaeus. I can feel that I deserve more. I don't need mercy. 
Do I need mercy? I'm quite good. I've sacrificed quite a lot for you, Lord, so I don't think I need the same mercy as before. I don't think I need to cry out for you in mercy. If I asked you the question, what do you deserve? How would you answer that question? What do you deserve? The longer I know and love Jesus, I think subconsciously sometimes the more I can sometimes move away from the heart of the gospel, which is conviction of sin, repentance and faith. The more time I follow Jesus, maybe the better I think I am because the more I'm a better person. Has anyone ever felt like that? Maybe that's just me. I was chatting to someone this week who shared um, with me that they, they'd been asked to do a, a group of testimonies of 15 people, strong believers, people that love the Lord deeply. And as he watched them back, um, over a few months, he was like, there's something missing from this. What is it? There was something that, he was like, that sat heavy on his heart. And as he spoke to me, he said, I, I realized what it was. That in each of the testimonies, I didn't hear... <coughs> anything about a conviction of sin that brought them to faith first of all. And it really struck him. It struck me as we were chatting about it. How that these people that know and love Jesus, and he didn't doubt that for a second, but how much of their story, how much of our story is about being convicted of our sin and our need for mercy? How much of our story... How much is that still part of our story? I remember when I came to faith, and I remember being broken for my sin. I remember being in the Oaken Ash pub on the 21st of November, 2003, and confessing my sins because I was broken. And yet, the longer that is ago, I think the less my plea for mercy is, the less I cry out. Yes, I've been forgiven, I know that, but we still sin, don't we? I'm not perfect, I'm probably aware still need to seek out and humbly come and ask for mercy, to cry out for it. I really believe that a faith, for us to grow in our faith, for us to grow in our assurance and our love for Jesus, I really believe daily coming back to the cross, daily coming back to the cross and asking for forgiveness, naming what we've done wrong, receiving that, um, receiving that forgiveness, joyfully and joyfully turning away from our sin. And so, um, as again, I've completely lost my way here, but I want us to pause for a moment. And I want us to maybe just spend a moment asking the Lord to search our hearts, remembering that day. If you came to faith, if you, if you know and love Jesus, <laughs> that day you came to faith, remembering it, and remembering your brokenness for your sin. Remember the victory that was won at the cross where Jesus, he takes the, cro- he takes the, the, the cup that we couldn't bear, that James and John say, yeah, we'll take it, we'll take it. No, not yet, you can't, James and John. You don't know what you're asking for, but Jesus willingly took it for you, for your sin. And not that we have to stay in a place of being broken all the time, not at all, because we have victory over sin in the here and now. We, we, we do, we experience that, but we also still fail. We also still need to keep coming back to the cross, repentance and faith, repentance and faith. I just see that wonderful picture in Mark 1. 
isn't it, with the whole of the Judean countryside were coming to John the Baptist to be baptized because of the forgiveness of sins. Let's just take a moment now. Let's just, um, let's just remember the mercy that we once cried out for. And I'm sure that we do, but let's cry out again. Say, thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you for not giving me um, an eternal life without you. Thank you for not giving me the, um, the judgment that I deserve. Spend a moment doing that. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on us, Lord. Let us cry out to you. Let us not belittle our sin in any way, Lord. Let us remember what we deserve. and Let us rejoice in the fact that we do not receive that. We receive life. Life in abundance. Amen. Well, thirdly, I think, um, we see a faith that is desperate to reach Verse 47 and 48, what do we read? Verses 47 and 48. It says, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out all the more. Can I ask, are we desperate enough for Jesus? We see a guy here that is so desperate and determined to meet Jesus meet his need, he realizes it's only Jesus that can meet his need. Do we realize that Jesus is the only one that can meet all of our needs? Do we trust that he's able to meet all our needs? I know sometimes I can waver on this. Is he the one that's able to meet all my knees. And look at this, louder and louder he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was willing to be shamed. He was willing to be spoken down to by the crowd because he wanted to meet Jesus. He was desperate. He knew that Jesus was the only one that could meet his needs. I have to say, sometimes I can look to other things to meet my needs. I can turn to them really, really quickly. As Kenny was talking last week about idols, how quickly I can turn to some idols. We think some of the common idols that Kenny was talking about last week were the approval of others, comfort, power, wealth, and possessions. How quickly I can move to these things to, to, to meet my need rather than turning to Jesus to meet my need and trusting that he can do it and in desperation crying out to him. Instead, sometimes I can, in desperation, cry out to the other things. But also sometimes it can be a state of Maybe feeling that we've not, the Lord has not met our needs. We've asked for him to do it, but he hasn't done it. Maybe over a long period of time. Just been doing the Bible app in a year, um, and we're on, Job, we're on Job at the moment, and just how Job suffered so greatly and felt so distant from God and that he'd left him, wasn't there. And what does God say at the end? I never left you. I'm always with you. And sometimes life can feel a little bit like that, can't you? I'm sure for Bartimaeus it did. It's like blind for his life. 
begging on the streets eating every single day, being passed off and being forgotten and being shunned. And yet, God hadn't forgotten him. He's still crying out in desperation for him. How desperate are you to reach Jesus? How desperate are you for him? And I just encourage us, rather than, than turning to the self-help of this world that is which is the advice that we get whenever anything's wrong, the amount of self-help when I speak to my friends. Like in Job, his friends don't give him the best advice, do they? My unbelieving friends will give me some terrible, terrible advice. Let's cry out in desperation to him, just as we've done for Nadine. On someone else's behalf, let's do it on our own behalf. When we feel our needs haven't been met by him, let's... Let's have faith that he will bring about um, everything for our good that is good for him as well, for his glory. Sometimes what we want doesn't happen because we're not praying in the right way, maybe. But we cry out in desperation to him all the more. And that will build our faith. That um, That will grow our love and affection for him. And finally, it was a faith tell Jesus what it wanted. What I love about this is Jesus comes, calls him over. What do you want? What do you, I mean, it's a bit of a silly question. What, what, do you think it's a bit obvious? Really what Bartimaeus wanted. But I think Jesus wanted to hear the request from him. He knew he wanted to receive sight, but, but, but it builds Bartimaeus' faith by even asking the question Jesus answering. I want to encourage us today that whatever's going on in your life, God knows your situation. He knows your need, and he wants you to come and tell him about it. I can confess sometimes I can bypass that and not bother. Do we even bring our requests to God? Maybe we've been waiting something for a long time. I hope this tells us about for our faith, we are able to, in faith, go to him and persistently go to him, keep going to him, and ask our needs. Maybe sometimes we think he might be too busy, that our need isn't a matter, it doesn't matter to him. And I love this, the fact that he's 18 miles from Jerusalem. He knows exactly what's about to come. He knows he's going to suffer horrendously. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to be separated from his father for the first time in all eternity. He's going to take the weight of the sins of the world onto his shoulders. And yet, some insignificant blind man on the side of the road, he hears and he turns to and he hears. He is not too busy for you. He is not too busy to stop and to listen. He's not too busy to heal you, if that's his will. But are you too busy to come to him? Ask what he wants. He wants us to ask. He, wants to, he knows what's going on, but he wants us to come to him humbly and ask. What is being so humbling is, I think I've said this before, is more recently I've just been keeping a prayer diary, and there's about 100 things on there, and some things haven't been answered. But many things have. I've had the joy of just writing down how he has answered specific questions.
prayer, uh, prayer requests, which if I hadn't have done that, I'd have forgotten that he's even done it. But honestly, at the moment, he's like seven, seven from ten prayer requests at the moment. That's not bad, is it? Um, and I'm still praying for the other three, but, but it's, it's unbelievable to see that actually when we bring our requests to him, he wants to know what they are. He cares. He cares for you. So just for a moment, just pause for a moment. How persistent are we in bringing our needs to him? Do we give up after a few days? We keep praying to him and asking for his help, his comfort. Cares for you. I'll finish with a, a, um, a, the privilege this week. I got to after the course, I got to go for lunch with um, one of the one of the uh, guys on the course, and he took me to another Christian cafe. I did not know another one existed in Birmingham, but there is one just two miles away, um, and it is absolutely amazing. I've sent about ten people there, so do still eat here, but also enjoy this cafe. It's called the uh, the Rising Cafe. And many, some of you may have been before, but it's in Aston. And they do an amazing work where they, they focus on helping people that are addicts, um, drug addicts or alcoholics and so forth. And they house them. And they read the Bible with these people aren't Christians when they go on, go on this. But they, they enter into a, like a, however long it takes for them to get clean. And they live in houses with Christians. Uh, they, uh, they, they read the Bible each day. And then they get shipped into um, this cafe in Aston where they... Um, run the cafe. Uh, they run the, there's a bakery as well there. Um, there's a dance. Anyway, they do amazing stuff. It's, it is really, really wonderful. But um, Steve asked one of the ladies to come over and speak to me to share her testimony. I was debating whether to share this story. <laughs> um, but it was amazing. She had... Um, She had had four miscarriages, and then turned to drugs. Um, Had another miscarriage, and then fell pregnant. Had a baby, and the baby was taken off her. In desperation, she signed up. And some family members put her into um, this scheme with the, with the Rising Cafe. And um, in her brokenness, in her desperation, she cried out to God. And she came to faith. She was someone that was, could have been like anyone else sitting here. 29 years old, two and a half years now clean. But she cried out to God in desperation. And he answered her cry, her need. And she's having a child back next week. I say all this because it was a faith that came to know who Jesus is. It was a faith that cried out for mercy. It was a faith that she persistently, out of all the other challenges that she could have um, turned away, she persistently and desperately reached out to Jesus. 
And it was a faith that was willing to ask him what she wanted. Um, so I think Savannah and the band are going to come up in a moment. We're going to play a song um, that Savannah's written. Um, and we're just going to spend some time reflecting um, on maybe what we've heard. Um, so, yeah, do guys, guys do please come up. And um, I want us to think about our own faith for a moment. Has it become stagnant? Has it become... Uh, just a tag on to your life. Which one of those four things, if I put them up on the screen, do you want to want to focus in on for this week? Maybe it's a faith that you want to know who Jesus is. You just want to investigate it. Is he who he is? Maybe it's a faith that just needs to cry out in mercy, Lord, I'm sorry I don't, I don't come to you and thank you for not giving me what I, I deserve. Coming in confession and faith and repentance and faith. Maybe it's a faith that um, you just want to grow in your desperation to reach out to him, and cry out to him more and say, Lord, help me. Maybe it's a faith that you want to grow your relationship with him so you feel you can ask him, Savannah and um, the guys play this song. Just spend some time um, thinking about that. And then over lunch, hopefully at the end of our time, just encourage us, like carry on chatting about these things, encouraging one another in our faith, our trust in Jesus. And then I'll close in prayer.